Today's verse is Luke 8, verses 40 to 56. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because, on, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her up by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. Let's just uh, let's pray together before we look at this. Jesus, that's uh, what we've just sung. Those last two songs, uh, indeed, is my prayer for us today, that we would see that you would make our hearts believe this morning that you are better in our sorrows, in our victories, in our struggles, in our comforts, in our trials, that we would see you better so that we would be able to say it is well with our soul. Whatever is buffeting us, whatever waves and breakers we are in today, Jesus, help us to see that in you we have more than we could, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. If we come to you in faith today, if we believe in you, Whatever our situation, there is so much for us to gain and to have. Please, please, Jesus, make our hearts believe this this morning. I can't do that. Not any words I say. We can't even do it ourselves in our own hearts. We need a work of your spirit. So we just make ourselves open and available to you working. We pray you would do it. Amen. You ever... Um, get close to something that's amazing, but not quite get hold of it. Sometimes the most special things can be right in front of our eyes, but we don't realize it, and so we somehow lose out on what we could, what we could have. There's a kind of, I think, a, I don't know, relatively famous story of this, this guy. Some of you might know him. He's called Joshua Bow. He's one of the finest violinists in the world, and I think his violin is, is, is very expensive. And and about 15 years ago, he went busking on the Washington, D.C. subway to kind of do this test, basically, this, this experiment. And, and for the most part, I think he busks for like an hour, 
Most people just walk past him as if he was just like, you know, me, just like, you know, banging away at a violin or something. But he's actually one of the finest musicians in the world. I think he got, you know, he got chucked a few dollars here or there. And you see, people didn't realize, they weren't tuned in to something beautiful and amazing before them, so it just, it passed them by. And, and they essentially lost something that was quite amazing and quite beautiful. Now, that happens with, with Jesus a lot, I think. People get close, they get interested, they get intrigued, but quite often they never quite come to put their faith in him. Or or we do put our our faith in Jesus, but then we live life only sparingly, putting that into practice and putting it to the test. And, and, And so we miss out on so much that Jesus has for us. My aim this morning is to help us not to miss out and all that we can have, and all we can have experience in Jesus. For our hearts to believe that Jesus really is better, whatever, uh, whatever's going on for us, and whatever's going on in life. You know, Luke's story is all about Jesus coming to seek and save lost people, those who realize they're lost, and those who, who maybe don't yet realize it, and, and to, to bring lost people and save them into this amazing new life of the kingdom of God, the life that we were made for, and as we're going through Luke's story, you just need to remember, it's a bit like you're binge-watching your kind of, I don't know, Netflix series or a box set, and the main themes and the ideas kind of unfold through the different episodes. And we know that when we watch these things. That's how things happen. It's what's happening here. And there's this theme that's been evolving lately of how big and how amazing the salvation that Jesus offers to us is. Over the last few weeks, we've seen he has authority over, um, over nature in calming the storm. Last week, that he had authority over the spiritual world in, in his restoration of this man that was oppressed by demons. And today, we, we read of his authority over sickness and even death. And all along, when we're seeing these amazing things uh, about Jesus, then we're being encouraged, and Luke is inviting us to trust Jesus, to believe him, to put our faith in him, to come and receive what he has to offer. And I want, I want to draw out today that if we do that, then we get more than we hoped or imagined we might get. I want us to see that together today. See, the, the point of this story is, is, I think, relatively straightforward. It's that Jesus has authority over sickness and death. And I just want to walk through the story, first half of this sermon, and then just going to draw out two things that I think it makes a difference for us today. But, but first of all, uh, let's just look down at the Bibles, uh, chapter uh, 8, verse 40, page 1038 there. And Jesus returns from this mission trip that we saw last week across the lake to the Gentile area, and he's back in his home territory. And because of all that he's been doing, there's this expectant crowd waiting for him. And out of the crowd up comes this man called Jairus, this influential leader in the community, a, a synagogue leader. And Jairus falls at Jesus' feet in desperation. He pleads him to come to his house for his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, is on her deathbed. Well, Jairus is very much an insider. He's, a, he's an influential man. It looks like he's got a great life from the outside, people around would think. But he recognizes that he has significant needs and he wants Jesus to meet them. So he brings them to him and, and Jesus agrees to go with him and they start fighting their way through the crowd. Uh, and we read that the, the bustling crowds are, are, are almost crushing them. Uh, And then in the middle of this crisis, another crisis comes up, which is often what life is like, isn't it? Among the bustling crowds is this woman who is also desperate. And and for 12 years, this woman has had a hemorrhage. She's she's had this heavy bleeding that can't be stopped. I guess if you're bleeding heavily for 12 years, that's potentially life-threatening. 
It's certainly pr- profoundly life-altering. Her everyday life is shaped by this, this suffering and, and, and this pain. And, and it's interesting, it's 12 years she's been suffering for this, the whole lifetime of Jairus' daughter. So she's desperate like Jairus, but she's from a very different life situation. She's not powerful, she's not influential, and she has no status in the society of the day. In fact, in this text, we don't even get her name. She's an unnamed woman. She suffered for 12 years, and we read that nobody could cure her. In fact, she spent all of her money on treatment after treatment, on doctor after doctor, suppose miracle cure after miracle cure, and nothing's touching it. In fact, it's getting worse over that time. And so now she's not just chronically ill, but she's also poor, which is a really hard thing. And on top of that, her bleeding is not only a physical problem, which it really is, but it's also a social and a spiritual one. According to the social standards of that day, she's unclean. So she has to socially isolate herself. And not only that, but actually she's a threat to others and their cleanness. So if they have contact with her, they become unclean. It's entirely possible that this woman hasn't had human touch in years. Now, just imagine a 12-year COVID lockdown life where people want to keep you well away from them. Everyone else is going about as normal, but you, no. This is a bitter and a lonely life. Well, that explains why when she comes to Jesus, she comes very different to Jairus, right? He comes up directly to Jesus' face. He, he, he falls at his feet. He asks directly for, for what he wants. She is hidden away in the bustling crowd. She kind of sneaks up behind Jesus. Just, you can imagine her reaching out just to catch the, the, the edge of his cloak. That's a bold thing for her to do. You know, if people had known, uh, if people had kind of seen her and known her in that crowd, in, in that condition, they'd have been absolutely fuming of her. She's made us all unclean. How dare she come near to us clean people and make us unclean? But of course, that isn't what happens, is it? Rather than her making everyone else unclean, Jesus makes her clean. Immediately, Luke tells us, uh, as so she touches the edge of Jesus' cloak, immediately the bleeding stops. Twelve years of nonstop bleeding. No doctor, no miracle worker, no medicine, no whatever could touch it. And here she, are, here she is, touching the hem of Jesus' robe, and in a moment it is stopped, and she is cured. I guess she got what she came for, and she was probably, given what we know about her, she's probably going to make a quick escape, kind of no one see her, no one knowing, and go on to, to just live kind of an anonymous, freed life. But, but here's, here's the key part of this episode. This is where, you know, in the middle of the episode, where it just it zooms in and, and slows down. And it's these two conversations that happen between Jesus and the woman and then Jesus and Jairus. In the middle of this passage, in the middle of these heaving crowds, it's in verses 48 to 50. Because at that moment, Jesus calls out, who touched me? And you can imagine her heart racing, clammy hands, and she's been found out. But everyone else is like, what are you talking about? Like, everyone is touching you. Peter speaks up. Who hasn't touched you, Jesus? This place is, is heaving. Jesus says, no, this is different, Peter. Someone, someone touched me with faith. And power has gone out from me. So, so this woman realizes she can no longer be anonymous. And she, she comes trembling before Jesus. And she too falls at Jesus' feet now, as Jairus did. And in front of all of these people, in the midst of this massive crowd, she explains why 
she touched Jesus. She explains her uncleanness. She explains her long and arduous suffering and battle. She, she explains her desperation and her shame. All of it in front of all these people. And then she explains how when she touched that robe, in an instant she was cured. In an instant she was made well. Now, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? But that isn't the half of it. We need to see that what Jesus says to her next is the most transforming and incredible thing imaginable. It's not even imaginable. What he says in verse 48 is with great tenderness and authority, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The only time he addresses someone daughter like this. Now, we, we don't quite hear what's going on here at first, but I just want to take you on a geeky moment, if you bear with me, okay, to see what, why this is incredible. This word healed appears four times in this episode. Verse 43, uh, verse 47, you can kind of see it in red on, on the screen, verse 48, and verse 50. Okay, it's on the screen there, but you can look at those verses, 43, 47, 48, 50. And, and we read the word healed, but actually it's a bit misleading because... When it was originally written, there's really a couple of different meanings to these words going on. They're similar words, but different meanings. And, and, and hidden in those meanings is, is, is just something quite incredible. The first two references, verse 43 and 47, are, are what's in her mind as she comes. Uh, what she desperately wanted and, and looking for. We read that no one could heal her until she was healed by Jesus. Now, another way of saying that word healed for us would be uh, cure. No one could cure her until she was cured by Jesus. Basically, this is my issue in my life, and I need it to be dealt with. Jesus, I need you to stop this bleeding. And it's a big issue, and you, you don't blame her for, that, for coming to look for that. The second two uh, references to heal, verse 48 and verse 50, are how Jesus sees this situation and what he offers to people. He says to her, your faith has healed you. And then he goes on and says to, to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and your daughter will be healed. Another way of what Jesus says here is your faith has saved you. Don't be afraid, Jairus, just believe and your daughter will be saved. Or will be made well. There's this deliberate double meaning here. Jesus is not only curing illness, but he is saving. He is restoring the whole of life. He is giving and offering to people this bigger and this better salvation. It's this amazing thing. She comes to get the bleeding stopped, and he says, your faith has saved you. In fact, it's quite interesting that she wants to sneak up, get the job done, and get away. Jesus makes it very public in front of a lot of people. Honestly, he doesn't do that in a way that shames her or anything. In fact, he does the complete opposite in his tenderness and his love and his compassion. Like he did with the sinful woman at the garden party not so long ago, we saw. Jesus, he lovingly commends this woman in front of all of the crowds. And they all hear him say, your, sa your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He's not only healing her physically, he's restoring her socially. He's restored her spiritually. He's bringing renewal to the whole and restoration to the whole 
of her life. This is the kind of restoration that Jesus offers and he brings to people. And so turning to Jairus, that's what he encourages and invites Jairus to take hold of by faith. You see, see, Jairus at this point could be legitimately fuming, couldn't he? Hello, Jesus, my daughter's on her deathbed here, and you're kind of talking to, the, to this, you know, I'm short 12 years. She can wait one more day. But deathbed time. Don't get sidetracked. Get your priorities right, Jesus. It's like this massively inconvenient disruption for him, isn't it, in an extreme emergency. And then the news comes that his daughter's died. So all hope for him is lost. Why bother Jesus anymore, Jairus? Perhaps this is one of the hardest, I think, if not the hardest grief to walk through a parent's loss of a child. It's true that only those who have experienced it would really know that. At which point, Jesus says to Jairus, the first thing that he hears, don't be afraid. Just believe. And she'll be healed. She'll be saved. She'll be well. At which point you think, Jesus, what are you saying? Timing. Well, Jesus is inviting Jairus into something. We'll, we'll come back to this in a moment. But, but the reason that what Jesus says is not crude and is not untimely is because of what happens for Jairus and his daughter when Jesus arrives at their house. On his way in, Jesus says another outrageous thing to the, to the mourners. He says, stop wailing. She's not dead, but she's asleep. And they laugh and they scoff and they're like, who are you, pal? And what are you talking about? He knows she's dead. But he knows that she's not beyond his power to raise her from uh, the dead to life. You see, death for Jesus is little more than sleep. Little more than sleep. And so with this, again, great tenderness, but also incredible power, Jesus takes this, this dead child by the hand and he speaks to her, my child, get up. Little girl, arise. Little girl, arise. And guess what? She does. At this kind and this commanding word of Jesus, she gets up out of death more easily than I got out of bed this morning. And her spirit returns and she stands up and she's given something to eat. Parents are astonished. They're astonished. And yet Jesus says, don't go tell anyone about this. One miracle, he's, someone wanted it really private. He made it very public. One, he's going to great lengths to make it private. He only let his three closest friends in with him along with the, the parents. He shut everyone else out. Now, now he's saying, don't, you know, don't talk about this. It's funny sometimes the way Jesus does things. For sure, he's not here to wow the crowds. He's here to form disciples. This is the resurrection life that Jesus provides to the lifeless. His ability to save goes all the way down, even to death and back. His salvation is that good and that big and that amazing that we need not fear death, 
not our own and not the death of our loved ones. Because in him and with him, we are safe. He is powerful over it for us. Jesus has great authority over sickness and death. What difference does this make for us? Here's, here's two things that I think we see what difference makes for us. Here's the first one. Jesus can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So much more. So much more than we ask or imagine. Both Jairus and this woman got way more than they bargained for with Jesus. Jairus came hoping for, clearly had some faith for his daughter to be healed from some sickness. But once she died, his friends and him thought, well, hope is gone. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Think of his daughter. When she was dead, she, she, she was in no place to expect for or ask for anything. And this woman, she desperately wanted a cure for her bleeding. But it wasn't even in her frame of reference, the salvation that Jesus might give to her. And you guys, so often we think our biggest problems are the struggles that bubble to the surface of our life, whether it's our bad health or the difficult relationships we have in our family and with our family relationships, it's addictive behaviors that we can't shake, or our financial struggles or our, our challenges in the workplace, whether it's our loneliness or the trauma or the grief that we just carry with us all the time. Listen, those things are all very real. Sometimes they're very profound. I'm not wanting to minimize or, or downplay that at all, but Jesus comes to offer us so much more than just dealing with the presenting issues that we kind of become aware of and come to the surface in our lives. He comes to offer so much more than, than those things that, 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 that maybe we're aware of that we struggle with. He comes to deal with those things, yes, but to bring restoration to the whole of life, to give us a life we didn't even know we could have or that we could ask for or we didn't know what to expect. And this restoration and this renewal and this life that Jesus brings and that he gives is going to work its way throughout all things in heaven and earth by the time he's finished with it. It will do. Listen, I don't know why Jesus doesn't often raise his people in the here and now. He didn't always do it back then. But at this point, his father figure, Joseph, has died. Jesus didn't raise him. He went to a funeral and he wept and he grieved the loss of Joseph in his life. I don't know why he doesn't always do it. I do know it doesn't mean he doesn't love us or our loved ones. And I do know because he promises that he will raise his people in the end. He will do it one day when he renews all things. You see, we come to Jesus for a cure. We come because we want this stuff in my life that's difficult or that I can't cope with to be made better. This problem to be dealt with, that problem to be sorted out. But in Jesus, we get not only that, but a salvation that just blows our expectations out of the water. We get what Jesus calls life to the full forevermore. Now, of course, we get that in the end when Christ returns and delivers on the fullest of this new life for us as his people. But I want to encourage us, whilst we're waiting for that and we're expecting that to come, to not put limits on what God could or might 
want to do uh, in us and for us in the here and now. To not get too small-minded in our thoughts of Christ and who he is and and what he might be able to do in our hearts and and in our lives and, and what he might offer to us. Maybe sometimes just things that go through years and into decades just feel intractable to us and like they won't change. And, and, and I know that can be hard to, 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 to keep faith and hope in those situations, but let this story speak to us. That you can do more, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Jesus knows what we need. He knows where our struggles are. We know, he knows where we need his help. But he also knows a life for us that is bigger and that is better than that. And he can give it to us. So often, I think, as Christians, we, we want to limit the impact that God has in our lives. And, and, and we want to receive what he has for us in certain areas. But then we want to keep this relationship or this situation or, or this thing. I, I can't really trust you with that, God. So I'll, I'll carry that myself. It's safer in my hands. Listen, don't live like that. That's, just, that's not living with faith. That's living in a small-minded way in the Christian life. Let me encourage us to have an expectant faith, to have a confident faith that this is a God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And so that leads to the second thing that I think the way this makes a difference to us. So come to him in faith. If he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, come to him in faith. Don't be afraid, just believe. It's that I don't think it matters how you come, but what it matters is that you do come. You could say, come as you are. What else can you do? You know, there's three different ways that people engage with Jesus in, in this episode. You've got, you've got Jairus, this influential man who goes for the direct approach. He knows what he wants and, and what he needs, and he comes and he asks for it. And you know what? That's fine. He came to Jesus in faith. The woman, as an afflicted woman, went for the more hidden and reserved approach. Her, her suffering and her shame meant she was far more nervous and, and fearful. But what's important is that didn't keep her from coming. And she came to Jesus in faith. The crowds, on the other hand, were so near and yet so far. They're crushing and they're crowding and they're press, pressing into Jesus. And yet that's not the same as coming to him in faith like the woman and like Jairus. They're physically so close to the eternal son of God. They're seeing and they're hearing these amazing things. And yet it seems that so many of them never actually came to put their faith in Jesus, never actually came to believe in and trust in him. They don't really come to him at all. Now, Jairus and the woman come, as we've seen, very differently according to their own life situations and personality and what's going on. It doesn't really matter. What matters is they both come to Jesus in faith. And that's the same for us. I want to say it doesn't really matter how, but it doesn't really matter what it looks like for you. What does really matter is that you come to him in faith. It's possible to be so close. It's possible to be around church or gospel family, to be interested, to be open, to be asking questions, to all of that. It's all really great. But to never actually come and put your faith in Jesus. Now, if that's you, what would that take for you? 
Maybe for some, you need questions answered, you need discussions, you need studies, you need debates, you need research to be convinced of Jesus. Well, that's fine. Go for it and, and, and get people in church to help you, and, and we can do that. Maybe for others, you just need time seeing and checking out what Christian community is like and, and what difference Jesus really makes in life. And if so, come in and join us and spend some time with us and, and hang out and, and, and chat with us, and we'll let you see that. There's nothing to be hidden here. Maybe for some it's a journey of a thousand unseen steps and forever it's one moment of kind of life-transforming vision or dream or, or just one moment or whatever it is. It doesn't matter how we come. All that matters is that we come to Jesus in faith. It's interesting, isn't it, how encounters with Jesus and Luke so often come in pairs and you kind of got people alongside one another. And, and a question I've been wondering this week, why is this story of the unnamed woman like in the middle of the Jairus story? What, why, what, what, what's going on there? What, what are we to learn from that? Well, I think it's a beautiful gift to Jairus and to us. You see, while, while Jairus' daughter is on his deathbed, Jairus is there and he sees Jesus heal and fully restore this woman in front of her. And then the next thing Jesus says to Jairus is, don't be afraid, just believe and she'll be healed. She'll be saved. Jairus, trust me in this moment. Rely on me even while it's still not resolved for you. Even while you've got your questions unanswered, while the tensions and the difficulties remain for you, Jairus, when it all looks bleak and lost, trust me. Have faith in me. Now, I imagine Jesus had said that to him without healing the woman in front of him in the middle of that experience. And it would probably be harder for Jairus to believe that, wouldn't it? But this is a gift for his faith to be built up by what he sees Jesus doing in the life of this woman. This is the same for us. Our faith of what Jesus can do for us and in us in the spiritual life can be built up by what we see Jesus doing in the lives of others around us. How our faith was built up by what um well the, the oh here she is by by what Autumn Rain and, and Rachel had to share right it's just like it's so encouraging hearing hearing them just sharing of answered prayers that encourages me in my prayer life. You know, the couple whose marriage has been on the rocks, but they've come through it and they're now building something beautiful and working through that stuff. Well, that builds my faith that if my marriage is in that place at some point in the future, then I too can come through that by the work of Christ. Or, you know, your friend who is faithful through the trials of singleness, who is seeking contentment in Christ in that, who is trying to discover the ways in which singleness is a gift and to be enjoyed and received, who's given herself to deepen and intimate friendships with others and so experiencing joy, well, that can help you to have faith through your struggles with singleness. And it can help you to work out what godliness looks like in that for you. The church member who, who, who faithfully perseveres and trusts Jesus through the most severe pain and, and, and the most difficult illness, even to the point of death, can encourage me to have faith. Well, I guess in my lesser illnesses and pains, but even if those things come for me, that maybe by faith I can walk faithfully with him through that. You know, your friend in gospel family who's just not spectacularly, but faithfully, day by day, putting one foot in front of the other, just plodding on and keeping going, just trying to do the right thing in the midst of a deep valley of depression. But trying to love, trying to live life for Jesus, well, that builds your faith. 
that maybe you could walk through the same dark valleys or similar dark valleys in that way. Just as we close, this brings us to the link between faith and receiving all that Jesus has to offer. Do you see that? Jesus says to the woman, your faith has healed you. To Jairus, just believe and she will be healed. The mistake we often make with this is that we think Jesus is calling us and calling them to this kind of superhuman faith to get what you want. If you really want it, you've got to believe it enough. You've got to name it and you've got to claim it. And if you don't, well, the fault's with you. Because if you just had enough faith, you would have it. Now listen, that's, that's not what's going on here. That's all wrong. It is not their faith that heals or saves them, and it's not our faith that gives us life to the full or sorts out any difficult situation we're in. But without faith, we won't come to Jesus to receive from him. So faith does have a place. Faith is not the cause, but it is the way. It is the means by which we receive life in Christ. It's not the cause, but it is the way, the means by which we receive life in Christ, moment by moment, day by day. Struggling to find a good little kind of illustration of this, but, but um, for my gym, I've got like a wristband that gets you access to, to the gym, and you can get in and out. And so in one sense, it's the band that gets me access to the gym, but it's not, is it really? Because I only get the band as a gift because I pay the membership fee, and if I stop paying the membership fee, the band's going to be no good to me. Well, well, faith is similar. It's a bit like the band. It's, it's not ultimately about your faith. It's not ultimately about the band. No, faith is the way that we get access to life in Christ. Faith is only meaningful. It's only powerful because of who it is in and because of what he is able to do and his ability to deliver. And so Jesus says to Jairus, whilst it's still pretty unresolved for him, and he says to us, while there'll be still lots of things unresolved for us, Don't be afraid. Just believe. And it will go well for you. You will be saved. Do you have faith in Jesus? Is your heart believing this morning? Jesus is better. Sorrows, victories, good days, bad days. Things look like they're tracking in a good direction. Things look like they're crisis after crisis after crisis. Do you have faith in Jesus? Will you receive his life and his powerful work in these situations where things are unresolved? I want to encourage you to name it and claim it. But make sure it's the right things that you're naming and claiming. It's not health and wealth and prosperity. It's not manifesting what you want life to be like. No, but it's all that you have in Christ. It's every spiritual blessing in him. It's every promise of God in his word to which Jesus says, yes and amen. It's the hope that you have in all that Christ has for you and all he gives to you. And it's all of his powerful and sustaining work in you and his purposes for your life that will be worked out come what may. Will you put your faith in Jesus into practice? Will you put it to the test in whatever situation you need to be doing it? Or will you be keeping them to yourself saying, Jesus, I'll I'll, I'll take this one, thanks. Will you come to him by faith? Again and again and again. And say, will you receive immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine? Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, I'm aware that we would, uh, we, we've been thinking about things which are not insignificant or small. We've been thinking of things of deep significance in our own hearts and lives this morning. Things that we don't know how they're going to turn out. Situations that are beyond our control and yet deeply painful for us or confusing for us or overwhelming for us or complex for us. Jesus, as your people, help us, give us, make our hearts believe, give us faith. Work in us, work through us, comfort us where we need that, transform us where we need to be more transformed, renew us, restore us, keep us. We open our hearts to you. Thank you that you will do good for us when we do that. And please help us to entrust ourselves to you so that we're not afraid, but we just believe. Amen.